very warm welcome to you, lovely lot. Thank you for joining me for episode 52 of the show I called Near Perfect Pitch, designed to play a load of good records and also to be the, the combatant, the antithesis of your stereotypical FM dross. Everything they are, I'm not. This week, my goodness me, you're in for a treat. You are, um, well, you're going to be privy to an interview with with Martin Coogan. And let it be said, first and foremost, before I get into anything else, that this programme is brought to you by Martin Coogan, the Mock Turtles, and, very importantly, the Chocolate Hobnob. New releases galore this week, uh, double figures actually, and I'll touch upon a few of them that I'll be uh, playing for you. There's going to be some new stuff from uh, the Sherlocks, Sundara Karma, Everything Everything, uh, a new new uncle, which is uh, phenomenal, uh, a new remix uh, from uh, High Time Pirates, as, as done by Full Sorrel, which is absolutely brilliant. Uh, the first official single by Blaney, which I'm delighted to play for you. Uh, Space Echo, SPCECO, I've got a brand new record as of about three days ago. Uh, and uh, there's a song forthcoming from that. Also some new stuff from Daughter, uh, and also uh, some, some Ben Gibbard as well, which is reasonably new, and I'll get into uh, context why that's uh, relevant uh, later on in the programme. Usual features this week, we've got uh, the Weekly Peel, which, which this week is Gary Newman. We have got our Essential Wax feature, our LP feature of the week, which is from 1992, The Death of Cool. Uh, by Kitchens of Distinction, A, B, U, T. We've got uh, the usual Tinterweb time and all the other features. It's a hat trick and uh, end of the programme. Delighted to uh, be sharing with you a chat that I had with Martin Coogan, uh, the front man, the man behind the Mock Turtles, uh, talking about the uh, just recently released, a handful of days ago, the re-release of their epic Turtle Soup with all of the surrounding works included on this 41 tracker all of the works on imaginary records it is a beautiful piece of music uh, and even more enhanced by these demos that martin has unearthed over the course of time and remastered and uh, the fruits are this wonderful 41 tracker which could conceivably have been a box set but it's a 41 tracker and i'll tell you how to get your hands on that later on in the program kicking things off with some ride
sure there's something I should be doing to ease your conscience, baby. Clear your mind, but I'm far too busy clearing mine. Did you? That's the Feral Five remix of a new tune by Equinox, which is pulled off uh, the latest Equinox LP, uh, which is available at soundsofequinox.bandcamp.com. The name of uh, the LP concerned is It's Hard to Be Happy When Your Head is Full of Sin. And as I mentioned, that's the, the Feral Five remix, which was just released last week, of the track Kiss and Feral Five, you can get all their material at feral5.bandcamp.com and follow them on Facebook at facebook.com slash feral5. That was the second song that we heard. The first was Ride, of course, the first single off 94's Carnival of Light, their third LP on Creation Records, and a beauty it was too. Um, 
Let's see what else you can expect to hear aside from the new releases that I chucked your way uh, earlier on at the beginning of the programme. We've got uh, some young marble giants. We've got some underworld. Uh, Water boys. Happy to see them playlisted. Uh, Spaceman 3, The Vaccines. It's a good show, actually. Quite happy to uh, be playing these tunes for you today. Nearperfectpitch at gmail.com if you want to hear something uh, request-wise, give me some input, feedback, etc. Uh, nearperfectpitch.com is uh, the place to be. You can find all the ways and means by which to listen there. You're obviously listening now, but if you're not happy with how you're listening, you can choose between uh, iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Podbean and the latest channel to be added is the Anfield Network uh, and I'm fresh off the uh, the 4-0 drubbing of Arsenal uh, which I'm still buzzing from just loving it loving it loving it so if I'm uh, just annoyingly happy for the next little while you'll at least know why <laughs> of the day My television is behind me My head is clear Now let's begin I just wanna sleep I just wanna sleep Welcome your host My town Falling up with fire and 
Space Echo. That's the lead track off their new LP, released uh, just a few days ago. And you can get that record easily at spceco.bandcamp.com. Out of sight, the name of uh, the track that we heard there. And um, the LP concerned is called Calm. And before that, we heard Autopia by the Warm Jets, who are no more. Um, that was their first single ever, ever, ever released in 96, uh, Autopia, as I mentioned. Uh, they released five singles and only one LP uh, entitled Future Signs on uh, This Way Up Records. All of their uh, materials on This Way Up, except for their sixth single when they uh, re-released Hurricane, uh, when they signed to Island Records, and they were uh, rather promptly dropped after that, which is a shame. Uh, I think they had at least another couple of albums in them. Anyway. Only one to date, and uh, the likelihood of there being another is slim to nil. The Warm Jets, and as a reminder, we kicked off the programme with, uh, with Ride, Birdman, followed by the, uh, the Feral Five uh, remix of Equinox's Kiss, then Warm Jets, then Space Echo, and now... Uh, I mentioned this earlier, uh, Blaney, Ed Blaney, uh, has got a new record coming out, which I'm excited about. He's uh, done the business and uh, been back and forth to Germany and signed, signed a record deal and um, really looking forward to the fruits uh, of, of all that, uh, which will be uh, happening very, very soon. Um, but the, the, the album that he's released thus far, the, the wonderful uh, record entitled Urban Nature, which uh, features Marky Smith on, on several tracks amongst a litany of other musical guests. It's a, it's a fine, fine LP, and if you listen to the programme, you will, uh, you'll know an awful lot more about it. Uh, I've played a lot of songs from it, but uh, importantly, this is the first single. Granted, it's an album track uh, and has been for a while, but it's the first single proper that's been released by Blaney, and it's entitled High On You. Seeing you there with no cares And your knickers and your bra and your long blonde hair You look lovely Open mind in between Something else but I've never been so wobbly Help me 
Last Chance Saloon. That's the Phil Sorrell remix of High Time Pirates LP track. Uh, and a beauty it is too. Now, uh, Phil Sorrell uh, has uh, done a series of remixes for High Time Pirates amongst other acts. He is a very talented chap. So first and foremost, uh, we'll talk about him. You can check out his work at uh, soundcloud.com slash user 34620111. Not exactly an easy one to remember, but... Uh, you should remember that all the URLs that uh, are of any importance I, I put in the show notes, so you can always look after you've listened or as you're listening, being this podcast, and uh, not uh, not be left uh, left in the dark as to anything that's going on. So check out his work. But in talking with him this week uh, on the old Facebook and uh, talking with Simon as well, uh, Simon Mason, who is a High Town Pirate, um, Phil has been entrusted to remix uh, the lot, as it were. So uh, the whole Dry and High LP is going to be remixed. Uh, I'm lucky enough to have four of the tracks in my hot little hands already. So it looks and seems like uh, there's going to be another album proper forthcoming, which will be uh, all the tracks as remixed with uh, Phil Sorrell's interpretation. Looking forward to that one. That should be a good one. Uh, and before that, uh, High on You. That's uh, Blaney, Ed Blaney specifically, and his first, first single proper, which is out September the 1st. So if you're too cheap enough to st- stump up for the album, if you, you know, that, that thrifty, you can buy the single, then buy the album. And uh, just interestingly, I've just looked at the last three songs that I've played, and this is not remotely planned, because this programme isn't, if you listen often enough, you'll know that to be the truth. Um... So, Last Chance, Saloon, uh, that's uh, High Time Pirates, Simon's been on the programme. Blaney before that, Ed's been on the programme, and uh, SPCECO, Space Echo, uh, Dean Garcia, X of Curve. Now, uh, in many, many bands, so if you do follow Dean, start with uh, Space Echo, but uh, he's got uh, another at least three or four projects on the go. Not as prolific as uh, Space Echo, um, but uh, side projects nevertheless, and he is never idle. He's always mixing and making music uh, ostensibly with his uh, with his daughter uh, R- Rose Berlin who has an absolutely beautiful voice and again if you do listen to the program reasonably regularly although that shouldn't be the case it should be every bloody week um, you will know and uh, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about all right now it's time for this I am the one 
taken off their debut LP, Youth Is Only Ever Fun, in retrospect. That is uh, Sundara Karma from Reading, and that's uh, off that LP that was released last year. They've got a new single coming out uh, very, very soon, entitled Explore, which uh, I uh, most probably will be playing on the programme. Uh, before that, it was uh, our cover version time. It was Cover Me, uh, and this week's cover version was uh, was a song that uh, I'm sure that uh, love it or hate it, you know it. That's uh, Billy Jean, and that is the uh, the immense Ian Brown. That's his take on it uh, from the uh, the 12-inch that was released in 2000 on Polydor Records. Um, the thriller Billy Jean double. Uh, Wacko Jacko cover version fest, if you like. And uh, very importantly on this track, Simon Wollstonecroft is on the skins. Let that be said. That is very important. Uh, if you know, uh, if you know how, how I feel about old Simon, that's uh, something of real note. Now it's time for some Underworld. Thank you. 
2000. That's Placebo with Special K, a song penned about the drug uh, ketamine. That's their third single. 
uh, off their third LP, Black Market Music. Uh, and again, that's from uh, that's from 2000. And uh, prior to that, the mesmeric Underworld with uh, with Res, a non-album uh, single from '93 on uh, Junior Boy's own records, as you would probably expect. Ten songs in. Episode uh, 52 is well underway, third of the way through. Stay tuned for a ton more new releases and uh, a wonderful interview with Martin Coogan. The Mock Turtles, uh, uh, a really nice chat, actually. And uh, despite it being uh, a component of a family outing to uh, to watch some steam trains, I thought the interview came across quite well. Um, what have I got uh, queued up next? Oh, yes, yes, it's actually a dedication uh, for, uh, for Martin because we've got talking about uh, our... Uh, our love of, uh, of Teenage Fan Club, and of course you lot know by listening you know how much I love them. It's a title track to the, to the programme every single week, uh, in amongst playing them when I can without being too biased and playing them each and every week. Any road, um, Benjamin Gibbard, Ben Gibbard, the, the frontman of uh, Death Cab for Cutie, um, also uh, in charge of the Postal Service as well, not, uh, not the Crown Corporation or uh, the Government Institution or the... Uh, or the civil, uh, the civil service. It's the actual uh, the band. Anyway, I'm rambling. Uh, so Ben Gibbard, he's uh, got his third solo LP out uh, just a, just a matter of a few weeks ago, and this particular third stab at a solo record is a cover version, not just of one song, but of the entire LP, and the LP being Teenage Fan Club's glorious, an almost Teflon bulletproof record of perfection, bandwagon esque. So we're going to hear. Um, we're going to hear ben, ben Gibbard's version of Star Sign, and then after that, we're going to hear some Spaceman 3.
from 1989. Yes, 1989. Spaceman 3, a single on Fire Records, and actually a number one indie single uh, to boot, and that's a request, uh, as I have fulfilled, uh, that's for Todd in Calgary, and uh, that is also featured on the recurring album on Fire Records, Fire CD 23 being the cat number and uh, prior to hearing hypnotized by spaceman 3 we heard star sign one of well one one of uh, the album tracks of uh, the the latest solo effort by benjamin gibbard the the frontman of uh, death cab for cutie and his third solo record is bandwagonesque by Teenage Fan Club in all its glory in its entirety and that was just one of the songs uh, and he does a really good job to be honest um, I, I do actually think that uh, we had this chat uh, with Martin at the end of the programme uh, in the interview as well about cover versions and uh, if you're going to do a cover version you've got to do it for good reason and not do some verbatim boilerplate cookie cutter type uh, rendition you've got to add your touch to it otherwise there is absolutely no point but uh, his fey indie uh, pop leanings really do uh, marry themselves quite nicely to uh, the entire uh, bandwagon-esque. Now, as I catch my breath, I can tell you what uh, is coming up next. Uh, we're going to hear, uh, after this next track, we're going to hear something new, uh, brand new by Daughter, from their forthcoming uh, new LP, their third LP, which will be out, uh, I'm looking at my watch here, next week. And uh, we're also going to be hearing uh, the vaccines prior to that. As a reminder, nearperfectpitch.com. Do let me know if uh, you want to hear something and uh, do let me know if you have any feedback or any input whatsoever. I reply to each and every one of my seven emails per week. You know, I make it sound like I'm getting tons. Oh, I've got a text here. I wonder who that is. Anyway, in the meantime, here's the vaccines. If at some point we all succumb for goodness sake, let us be young, because time
Brand spanking new stuff is that by Daughter. Daughter are uh, on uh, 4AD Records. This uh, forthcoming new album of theirs is out next week on, on the 1st of September. Uh, it's music from Before the Storm, a soundtrack to the video game Life is Strange Before the Storm. And I know not one jot about the video game, but I know an awful lot about Daughter and this uh, record. If uh, the teaser track that we just heard, Burn It Down, is anything to go by, it's going to be a beauty. Um, I highly recommend getting your hands on their first two records as well. Uh, they are a wonderful band. Um, the, the two records concerned on 4AD are uh, Not To Disappear, uh, which was released uh, last year, and If You Leave, released in 2013. And before we heard Daughter, uh, we heard the sixth and latest, uh, sorry, the sixth and last single from their uh, debut record. What am I talking about there? Uh, by the vaccines. Uh, what did you expect uh, from the vaccines was released in 2011, and that was the sixth single, Wetsuit, uh, pulled off uh, their debut, Stunner. Great, great album. Keep revisiting that, uh, and it does have legs. It's a great, great record. Next, it's time for our uh, weekly peel. Uh, this week, it's time for some Gary Newman.
Uncle and Farewell of uh, the brand new and sixth LP by James Lavelle. And he says about the record, I hadn't made a record in a long time and the incarnation of Uncle had changed in that now it was me on my own. For that reason, I wanted to make a record that I hadn't been able to before, going back to the roots of where I came from with a foot in modern London. It is a beautiful record, and uh, I highly recommend you snagging yourself a copy. And uh, what did we hear before that? Oh, yes, it was our, our weekly Peel session. It was uh, this week, going back to 1979, May of 1979. Gary Newman with, of course, that little ditty called Cars. Now it's time for some water, boys.
There is so much noise, there is too much heat And the living floor throws you off your feet As the final day falls into the night There is peace outside in the narrow light Young Marble Giants, that's their first single uh, And that was released uh, way back when, in, uh, in 1980 On Rough Trade Records, the single uh, being called Final Day uh, And before we heard... Young Marble Giants, we heard, well, one of the greatest bands to grace our planet. That's the Waterboys and Church Not Made With Hands, one of three singles that uh, were taken off 1984's A Pagan Place uh, on Ensign Records. What a band and what a song. And every once in a while I have to play some something by the Waterboys to remind myself primarily and, uh, and then you lot of just how good they really, really are. Hat-trick time now, and uh, by hat-trick, I'm not talking about Roberto Firmino, uh, I'm not talking about uh, football per se, but I'm talking about three songs in a row. And this week, we're going to go, uh, we're going to start off in Scotland, then we're going to go uh, stateside, and then we're going to go uh, back to uh, the UK and going to go to England. So, uh, going to hear some K Foundation, who are the KLF, really, uh, and then uh, some Madder Rose, and then uh, we'll round off the hat-trick with uh, the Duke Spirit. Uh, so uh, it's now time for you to uh, put your feet up and relax. Maybe uh, uh, put the kettle on if, if you want to relax and hear three in a row. Or you can just parade around the living room and, uh, and pretend that you're in a band. Each to their own. Anyway, enjoy these three.
Isn't that lovely? That is uh, the Duke spirit, and that is the third of three in this week's hat trick. This is a song uh, called Sea Power that is pulled off their latest and fifth LP, released uh, just a few weeks ago, entitled uh, Sky Is Mine, preceded by. Well, uh, hang on, I'll, I'll rewind there, shall I? They're from England. Now proceed by uh, Bring It On Down by Madder Rose. That's from their first LP from 93, uh, entitled Bring It On Down. Uh, they're from New York, they're on Seed Records, and they were rather, rather good. Bring It On Down. That was the second of three, and we kick things off with uh, Que Sera, Sera, War Is Over. If you want it, uh, a very limited run of uh, 3,000 only pressings that were released in Israel and Palestine only on CD as a one-tracker, and it was released in honour of the Middle East peace agreement uh, of the time uh, in '93. So that was the hat trick this week. Uh, kind of garbled and uh, nonsensical, but it doesn't really matter. The whole premise is it's three in a row. Whew, nearly time to be uh, chit-chatting with, with Martin Coogan. Nearly time to be playing a whole load of uh, Mock Turtle stuff, which is... Uh, which is going to be grand, so you've got that to look forward to. But uh, before we get there, we've got uh, some of the songs to attend to, starting off with the Essential Wax LP of the Week, being this week The Death of Cool by The Kitchens of Distinction on One Little Indian Records. Here's an LP track, Gone Will Gone.
kitchens of distinction. Now, Julian Swales was as good a shoegaze guitarist as anybody. Now, Essential Wax, again this week, Kitchens of Distinction, The Death of Cool from 1992, released on One Little Indian Records, their third of five LPs, recorded and mixed in 91-92, uh, recorded at Sawmills in, uh, in Cornwall, mixed at the Roundhouse in London and mastered at uh, Tape One. Produced by uh, the uh, the rather, rather good Hugh Jones. Uh, ten tracks in all, spurned two singles, uh, Breathing Fear. And the next track I'm going to play, Went in Heaven, and reached uh, the dizzy, dizzy heights of number 72 in the uh, proper, proper album charts. Uh, it sold only half as many units as their previous record, Strange Free World, which uh, is bizarre, really. But uh, I did a little bit of reading and... Uh, in terms of quantifying as to why, because the record itself is absolutely stellar. That's why I'm playing it for you. But uh, it arrived uh, during the height of, of Manchester and Baggy, and uh, the media and the press were uh, rather sidetracked with their... Well, they were being sycophants of the scene to the nth degree. Whilst it deserved coverage, it didn't deserve nine pages out of ten. And that's, uh, that's ten, that tends to happen with the, the flavour of the month, fickle music press. And it did then. Anyway, that's not taken away uh, from its brilliance because record sales are uh, not remotely a uh, marker for uh, the quality of any given release. I did say there were two singles pulled off the record. This is the second one.
another request. That's uh, for Jolene in Chichester. That is Manchester's Everything Everything with their latest single off their brand new and fourth LP, A Fever Dream. And that was preceded by the second track of Forest and Wax LP of the week, uh, Kitchens of Distinctions, The Death of Cool. We heard When in Heaven, all about uh, lovely Marilyn. And uh, that was the second single, the second of two singles, uh, pulled off the record. So hopefully uh, you've... Uh, You've been indoctrinated enough to go out and buy, or at least experiment and uh, delve into the wonderful world of Kitchens of Distinction. Shoegaze crossover, if you like. Very, very cerebral as well. And uh, anyway, hope I did my job in, in coercing you. Nearly, nearly, nearly at the end uh, of, of the programme. We've got uh, the, the wonderful interview with, with Martin Coogan coming up in about... Uh, Ooh, 10 minutes time or so um, it's quite a long one as well so uh, fasten your seatbelts for that um, wanted to uh, mention that there's a casualty this week I've bumped the Sherlock's track executive decision so that'll be on uh, episode 53 next week and uh, as a reminder wanted to uh, ask you to do a favour for me if you love the programme and you listen to it it uh, does take quite a bit of work to uh, put together uh, and actually perform uh, and try and deliver something that has a modicum of professionalism attached to it, despite its uh, underlying theme of, uh, of unmitigated anarchy. Anyway, I, I do my best every week, play my own records, and if you do like what you hear, I'd be very grateful if you could spread the word. Um, I haven't got grand designs on world dem domination enterprises, but uh, I'd just like to get more and more listeners for obvious reasons. Uh, I, I love to share, I love to play music. It's a time of the week that I personally look forward to immensely, although it's not live, uh, I operate as if I'm talking to you directly and uh, get an immense amount of pleasure out of sharing records. So nearperfectpitch.com, you can point anyone and everybody there and then they can find their feet as to uh, how they want to listen to the programme. Uh, and don't forget, it's a podcast, so you can go back in time. So if you've listened to this week's, well, if you've not heard a, a few from the past, go back. You can ignore all my banter and just listen to the tunes. The tunes are fantastic. They're just fantastic, I'll say it again. But... Uh, do delve into the past, because there, there are interviews in every single episode, save for two of the last 52, which ain't bad going. Uh, and uh, I talk to interesting people. I really, really do. I'm lucky enough to be able to align myself with very, very interesting people in the wonderful world of music that we love and adore. Any road, I've rambled enough. Here's something from uh, 1988, uh, the Wolfgang Press. <laughs>
Cardiacs from 1984. That is uh, pulled off their Seaside LP on uh, Alphabet Records and a song entitled Gina Lollabrigida about the Italian uh, actress, uh, sex symbol, photojournalist, sculptor. She was uh, one of the... uh, the most high-profile sex symbols of uh, the 50s and 60s. And uh, to my knowledge, on all of their releases, um, that is, the Cardiacs releases, they misspelled her surname. That's just the pedantic in me. I do apologise for that, but uh, I'm a stickler for spelling and grammar. So, before we heard Gina Laura Brigida by, uh, by Cardiacs, we heard the uh, Dwarfgang Press, actually, a single on the 4AD uh, label from, from 89 that uh, appears on their third LP that was released uh, uh, a year prior. Getting, uh, getting a bit tongue-tied here. It's been a long show. It's been three hours. A bit, uh, bit knackered. Uh, Birdwood Cage, the name of the album. That uh, single was pulled off. And before that, Everything, Everything, with Desire, preceded by the second of two songs by Kitchens of Distinction from our essential wax. We are uh, almost ready to delve into the wonderful world of what is uh, the Mock Turtles. But there's a little uh, little bit of business uh, to attend to, a little bit uh, of business that pertains to the internet that we have to address. Wow, it's already Tinterweb time, kids. It's the time of the week where uh, I share with you a website that I reckon is of importance or relevance or interest or could tickle your fancy in any number of ways. Usually stuff that I uh, didn't know of beforehand, things that I have uh, happened upon uh, as you get uh, sucked in, as I always say, to the vortex of of World Wide Web, Mr Al Gore's invention, incidentally. Uh, And this week I I happened upon uh, a wonderful new site that uh, is called Gig Soup Music. And Gig Soup Music is uh, is run by Soup Media, but it's about tomorrow's music today. And they have uh, a, a series of very well-written uh, gig reviews, album reviews, uh, and lots of tidbits of information. Uh, and it's done in a way that uh, me coming from the world of publishing, I just like the way it's laid out. I find it very easy to be, uh, uh, easily palatable rather, uh, and it's got a very much uh, less is more aesthetic and more to the point. It's actually quite well written. Um, I came across them because I've uh, been talking to a band from Manchester called Clear Green, uh, and Clear Green, it happens, uh, have been recording at uh, Martin Coogan's Vibe Studio. Uh, which he'll talk about in the interview, which is coming around the corner in just a few minutes. So lots of little breadcrumbs that sort of tie all the all the little things together here. Anyway, Gig Soup, gigsoupmusic.com, give it a whirl, uh, and I think you'll like it. I'm, uh, I'm going to visit it on a regular basis, and I've already signed up, so uh, give them a whirl. Now it's time to get, uh, to get all turtle-like. We're going to talk about uh, turtle soup. We're going to talk uh, to Martin Coogan about this wonderful expanded... Uh, version that has just hit the shelves as of last week on Cherry Red Records. It's a beautiful release, and I'm going to give you a little sampling.
crafted pop brilliance that is that's the mock turtles and that's uh, can you dig it on siren records from 1991 their seventh single and um, i'll tell you a bit more about this turtle soup reissue but before i do do that we'll talk about this particular song now this uh, this particular tune which is become massive over the course of time has become rather anthemic it did have a humble beginnings it started as a b-side uh, to the song uh, lay me down and uh, it was written quite hastily by martin who uh, just uh, prior to writing it had seen uh, uh, a show called the warriors which uh, features uh, a rallying call of can you dig it and he uh, promptly wrote the song very very quickly and the rest is history it's done very very well over the course of time and uh, does have numerous renditions in terms of remixes and uh, and such like. So, let's talk about the reissue itself. Now, it's on Cherry Red Records, and uh, I encourage you to go to uh, cherryred.co.uk uh, slash product slash turtle hyphen soup hyphen expanded hyphen edition. The URLs are going to be in the notes, as they always are. If you want to keep up with uh, with Martin and uh, and what's going on with his recording studio, um, we can talk. Uh, oh, sorry, we can talk. Uh, I'll uh, give you the listing here. It's facebook.com slash vibe recording studio. So vibe recording studio, all one word. Um, next, we're going to hear another song off the record. We're going to hear their eighth single from the same year, 1991, and then she smiles. But I'll tell you a little bit more about this particular record because Martin has put together a whole load of anything and everything he could get his hands on that uh, came from that era, the imaginary records era. Now, what happened was a lot of these tracks, and he'll get into detail later, so I'm not going to disclose all, all, all the little nuances, but some of them were quite feverishly uh, uh, put together in terms of uh, they had to be remastered from, uh, from cassettes and, and, and other media, uh, and uh, they've now made it to this wonderful 41-track compilation. So here's the next track. Enjoy this, and I'll be back.
the Mark Tershaws. And then she smiles. Another single pulled off the wonderful, wonderful Turtle Soup. Now, uh, just to give you an idea of, of the musical output of the band, Turtle Soup was released uh, on Imaginary in 1990. Uh, and then the subsequent year, there was a nice compilation, uh, 87 to 90, which uh, compiled a lot of material. It was very, very hard to get your hands on that. Uh, well, Imaginary wasn't a, a, a prolific label, uh, and uh, it was kind of boutique So if you didn't catch them first time around, it was hard to play catch-up and buy their singles. So that's uh, that's why this uh, release was, was in, uh, actually released. Uh, Two Sides came out in 1991 on Siren Records, and then uh, there was a comp put out in 2003 called The Best of the Mock Turtles, Can You Dig It? That gives you an idea, uh, and uh, they've also appeared on a load of the Imaginary Records uh, cover version tribute records, which Martin gets into in, in reasonable detail forthcoming. So I'm going to hand it over to uh, to Martin and pseudo me, and I'll be back to wrap things up after the interview. Hello, Hello uh, is Martin there, please? Okay, it's it is Martin, how are you doing? Hi, mate, I'm fine, thanks, how are you? Good, 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 good. Is the timing okay? Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, timing's good. I'm just getting away. I'm just sat at um, a railway station. <laughs> uh, of course you with are. The, uh, with the granddaughter. Steam railways, you know. Oh, nice. I've got those over there. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, and, uh, not not anymore. There used to be a lovely one in our in our neighbourhood, but there was a lands a landslide that really? destroyed the track, so they're. They're rebuilding it, but there's nothing nothing quite like the age of steam, is there? No, no, absolutely, absolutely. I have a uh, No, it's a family day out thing, so there's like uh, loads of kids and families and stuff, and then this train will be gone in a minute. You hear it? Yeah, I can, I can, I, to, to be honest, I can't hear it, yeah, but... Uh, I'll, I'll wait. Be gone in a minute. Yeah, I'll wait for it to go past, but uh, is, is, yeah, is, yeah, is, is yeah. this something... Uh, is this something that we didn't know about you? Have you got a little uh, little uh, soft spot for steam trains? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, a, part like of, it, yeah. it's a massive part of history, isn't it? So it's, it's a massive part well, of how, yeah. how Manchester became Manchester with the canal and how... how... It does all revolution, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What, what? Totally. Yeah, it's a big part. There we go, that's quiet. Yeah, that's a lot better. Oh, Well, it's, it's going to be a very multifaceted interview. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll get her on the end of the phone in a minute as well, see what she's up to. But um, I just wanted to, to, to first yeah, of all... I wanted to congratulate you on, on, on the, uh, the re-release of, uh, of, of the epic Turtle Soup with, with obviously the expanded edition. So you must be yeah. very, very happy about that. And I wanted to ask you... Um, how long has it actually been in the making? Because, you know, we're just, we're just witnessing it come to fruition, but has this been in the making for quite some time? You mean the packaging it uh, and re, re, uh, releasing yeah. it? Yeah, I mean, essentially, yeah, yeah the, the idea of unearthing demos and, and releasing something that really, yeah, I mean, yeah. let's be honest, this could conceivably have been a... It could have been a box set, Martin. There's that many tracks on it, 41 tracks. Well, I kind of, it is a kind of box set, I suppose. Double yeah. album, 40 tracks. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, yeah, about a year in the uh, in the making. Uh, I first got a phone call from Cherry Red just over a year ago. Right. And uh, and it's taken it's taken yeah, it's taken a year to put it all together to bring it out. Uh, and and to source the right tracks and and um, to track down demos and stuff. Uh, I mean like some of the songs I thought I had on that tape yeah. in the cellar I once 
once I got them out of the cellar, the dampers got to them, and I couldn't even get them to play on the damp machine. Oh, dear. And, uh, so we kind of lost those. But then it was a case of uh, uh, phoning around, see who had copies. So uh, um, I think there's a, what, at least one track listed from, uh, there was two tracks listed from vinyl right. that we couldn't find anywhere else. And uh, probably at least one track listed from cassette, maybe, I'm not sure. But uh, we had to scour around. No, it wasn't cassette. I found them on a CD that somebody had, uh, a demo that they, they burned. Yeah. And so I managed to lift them digitally from the CD. So yeah, one way or another, we got all these tracks together. Um, and it is pretty much an exhaustive list of our entire indie back catalogue uh, on imaginary. Well, yeah, to try to go to the major. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the imaginary days were obviously very heady days, and uh, I was just going to ask: um, are, are there any omissions? But it doesn't sound like there are. It sounds like you've you've you managed to sort of aggregate just about everything from from various sources. Yeah, there's pretty much everything is there. Yeah, there's one or two demos maybe that that um, probably we've we've either not got copies of, the lost in the ether or or something. But uh, that is pretty much it. That's my entire project. <laughs> That's all I've got to show for me. Well, you make well, <laughs> you make it sound like you've been a lazy bugger, but it's quite it's quite it's quite a repertoire. Um, but but in all seriousness, was was uh, was there a lot of um, um, sort of post production on these on these salvage tracks. Uh, how, how did you how did you clean them up? Um, they were remastered. That's all. Yeah. But uh, some of the recordings were so poor, they took a lot of mastering to get them up to speed. Yeah. And uh, a lot of those demos were done in my living room um, <laughs> in uh, Manchester. Yeah. Uh, you know, without even a real drum kit. Uh, several of them have got programmed drums. Yes. Where I, I've just done it with a computer with the old Atari back in the day. Yeah. And, uh, and programmed them all. So there's several with programmed drums, don't say which, because hopefully nobody will notice the what <laughs> the difference. Uh, you never know, you never know. But well, uh, uh, yeah, so, so some of took a bit of uh, tweaking in the mastering stage to bring them all into line. But yeah, I mean, I'm quite, I'm really, I listened to them all from start to finish when I got the test pressing back from the, uh, from Cherry Red prior to giving it the thumbs up. Yeah. And uh, so I listened to all 40 tracks back to back, one after another in one sitting. Yeah. And uh, I kind of came away from it with a smile on the face thinking, well, you know, that's not bad, that actually. It's <laughs> a body of work. Absolutely. I'm with that. Oh, well you, well, yeah. you, well, you should be. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it's it's something I'm so glad that you did because I, I must be truthful. Uh, I'm still waiting for the postie to deliver to deliver my copy, so I've not listened to it in a in what oh, you. Have you not? No, no, it's okay. But I've, I've I've listened I've listened to it through other means. Of course, it's not. I'm a, I'm a real stickler when it comes to audio. I like I like everything in lossless, and I've got to be able to uh, have my own little zone to listen to music in. So I'm looking forward yeah, absolutely, to absolutely. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, my postie pulls his finger out and I get it get it this week. But uh, I've listened to it digitally on other means, and uh, and I have only once, but just the once, listened to it from uh, from track one all the way through to uh, twenty one on the and then the, the the twenty on the other disc and. It's a, it's a wonderful body of work. I mean, uh, it must be very hard for you to, to remain humble yet yet have that degree of pride because 
you, you produced a lot of music that conceivably, and this is just my humble opinion, I'm not saying it was overlooked, but imagine we were a very boutique label and uh, had a very, very, yeah, yeah. very, very loyal following. But uh, I, I'm, yeah. I'm convinced, aside from the, the obvious sort of kismet of, of, of Can You Dig It, uh, you've, you've got a litany of songs here that are as finely crafted as anything from the genre that I'm glad that people can now discover for the first time or, or indeed rediscover. You must be happy about that aspect. Well, yeah. I think, um, I think at the time when we were doing all this, um, we were very much engaged with touring and things like that. Yeah. And it's quite difficult to stand back and be objective. Of course. And after all these years, we can do exactly that. Yeah. And look at all this work in its entirety and think, well, you know, that's not bad, that. But also, I think that um, <clears throat> at the time, again, you don't, um, you don't really realise. I mean, you constantly look at the next project, the next album or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, so-and-so wants to, America wants to accept. All these kind of issues, it's always trying to stay one step ahead of the game. So much so, that you rarely have the luxury of sitting back and examining what you're actually doing. Yes. But we're doing that now, if you like. So um, all these years later, uh, all this lot comes out as one package. And uh, I'm really, really pleased, but I didn't realise at the time, you know, I'm, yes, I, I hear what you say, it's quite hard to humble, but I'm quite proud of uh, the level of songwriting, the craftsmanship. Yes. I'm quite proud of mm, some of the productions, you know, we didn't work with the producer on any of that lot. Well, I did Bill Nelson uh, on a couple of tracks and Martin Hannett on a couple of tracks. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. um, um by and large, I was producing along with uh, John Pennington, so a lot of those songs were were John Pennington's uh, skill yeah. in the studio. And uh, in terms of production, I'm really quite proud because you know, as a young man, uh, there I am, listening to the wondering how they do it and thinking, well, so maybe <laughs> yeah. I can do that as well. And, yeah. And, yeah. Oh look, they have a bridge where they have a harmony or. Uh, you know, and, and you work out your middle eight and what, what we're doing in the middle eight. And, and so, looking back with it now, with a wiser head on my shoulders, as a producer and as a songwriter, I can look back at that and think, yeah, that, that's pretty impressive, really, all things considered. And, and it was all done on a budget and in a very short space of time. So, you know, uh, some of those early tracks, like you know, Wicker Man or yeah. something like that, these, I mean, I spent a long time writing the song, but when we went to the studio and finally recorded it, it was done in a couple of evenings, or, you know, one day and an evening, or something like that. Yeah. So, these were rattled off in the studio. When you get to a major label, you know, we spent weeks or months, you know, uh, at two sides our main major label album, yeah. uh, was, you know, three months in the studio, yes. uh, something like that, whereas uh, uh, Turtle Soup, uh, you could, if it, if it was all done in one go, we, we, we would have done it in two weeks easily. Yeah, yeah. yeah but so, so you, you work in quickly, and you have to. So I mean, they're like rough diamonds for those songs. The, the singing's a little bit easier there. The pitching's a little bit easier. The, you know, the tuning of the guitars is slightly out there and there. I'm not absolutely going to point that out, but um, considering 
things were done so quickly. You know, we'd go in the studio and it'd be bang, 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 bang. And out the other end would come with a cheer and we'd go, is it any good? Yeah, it's <laughs> not bad actually. You know, no, this... um, and that's often the way it happens. You work really hard, you didn't think too hard about it. You just went through the motions and out came the other end, out came the song, fully formed, you know. Yeah, well, well the, the naivety, of course, in, in the early days, you, you can't formulate that. It is what it is. Uh, and it's a wonderful thing to, to visit in retrospect and, and, and say, hang on a minute, you know, I mean, you were self-taught, really. I mean, you want to you get a sound like, you know, Village Green Preservation Society. You, you, you know, you, 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 you knuckle down and, and, and you found a way to do it. So, I mean, in, yeah. in, in the early days, you weren't, you weren't getting major label advances where you could sit there and fine-tune a track no, for two sure. weeks. And, and when we didn't spend, you know, hours and hours and hours of studio time ah. tinkering with a guitar sound. Yeah. Until we really liked it, it was there's your amp, there's your guitar, plug it in, bang, off you go. If you're recording, you're on, bang, done, six. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the way it was. It was the luxury of thinking, is this, really, is this sound really working? Do I need to sit a bit with a bit more bottom end? Do I, you know, we didn't even have time for that. We just rattled it all off, and, and it came out however it came out. Absolutely. Oh, Obviously, is that is that, uh, is that is that the conductor <laughs> on the platform? That's with the back controller. Yeah, back controller. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was, it's interesting to yeah. note that uh, that Cherry Red approached you because I've been spending an, a, an inordinate amount of money uh, on that record label because lately there's there's your release, there's the wonderful Manchester box set which of course you're familiar with, there's the yeah. the latest Fall album and uh, a wonderful retrospective of James's work on Sire Records, just to name a few. Um, so Cherry, yeah. Red, Cherry Red have been doing outstanding work. They've always been a stellar label, but they really seem to yeah. up the ante lately, don't they? Well, I guess I guess they found a little niche for themselves whereby they don't need to lay out a lot of money. Yeah. They know there's going to be a certain number of people who will shell out for it. Exactly. And, uh, and, and it's a kind of win-win, so. Just... And then somebody like me, you know, there's a whole load of demos that I'm really proud of, but never saw the light of day. Yeah. Never got released. You know, and I'm thinking, well, there's lots of bands out there that would really like to hear these songs. Yeah. Um, and here's the opportunity to, to let them hear. Yeah, they're a bit raw. Most of them recorded in my living room in Manchester at home. Uh, you know, not on the proper studio. Uh, my Atari, one of two keyboards and a guitar. And that was it. Sometimes the basis program, you know. Yeah. So... Um, uh, so Red Raw, these songs, but I, I'm quite proud of uh, the, the tunes. You know, we, Mock Turtles always um, liked melody, we liked harmony. Yeah. You know, quite unashamed about that. And, um, and, and there's all these tunes that were just sitting there and nobody had ever heard them. So when Terry Red approached me and said, we, we want to re-release um, uh, Turtle Food and you can tag on a load of other stuff, I was chomping at the bit, you know, why yeah. not? Yeah, let's put it all out. You know, there's no money in it for us, particularly. Um, but, it, you know, it's not about that. It's about uh, sharing these songs with people who really appreciate it. 100%, 100%. And uh, there's, there's thousands of people like me who were just thrilled to bits because it was it was just the missing piece of the puzzle. And, uh, and, and as you quite yeah. rightly say, Cherry Red really have formed a bit of a niche. And they're doing a very, yeah. very, very good job of it. I mean... I was going to ask yeah. you actually, just just to rewind a little bit, and uh, and I don't want to spend an awful lot of time on it, but 
Have you got any um, wonderful little anecdotes you'd like to share from the early days of Imaginary or any, any anecdotes concerning Martin Hannett? Because usually when I speak to people who've worked with Martin, they've got at least one perler of, of an anecdote. Because uh, Martin... I used, to, I used to call those anecdotes. <laughs> okay, <laughs> anecdotes. Well, because, th because there's so many of them, everybody has one. That's right, that's it. One. Yeah. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you one of ours. Um, Ma Martin, I mean, we kind of got the tail end of his genius, I yeah. would say. Yeah. Um, and he would, he would start off the set. Well, I'll tell you how he would start a set. We picked him up from his house once, and we'd have to go and get him, otherwise <laughs> it'd be a complete no-show. We'd go and get him. <laughs> and uh, I'd take him to the studio, and he'd, He'd appear at the door in his dressing gown, all dishevelled, and without his sunglasses on, he was pretty scary. <laughs> and um, and he, you know, we called at the chemist on the way to the studio, and he got a big bottle of cough medicine, and then he got a pint of a, a bottle of coke from the uh, newsagents, and he'd pour the cough medicine into a pint pot, fill it up with coke neck it and then clap his hands and go, right, let's get cracking. That works, you know. <laughs> um, Was that the, the... then after a, after a few joints and a few cans of Kestrel uh, Super Strength or whatever he was drinking at the time, he gradually <laughs> started nodding off on the, on the desk. And as he was nodding off, he'd be nudging all the faders with his belly and things like that. And his <laughs> mixer would be all over the gap, you know. Yeah. Um, and then uh, once, uh, he was always skinning up, he liked his weed, bless him. Yeah. And then uh, once I saw him under the desk, crawling around, and all I could see was this great big arse cleaving. And I said, Martin, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you looking for? And he emerged with his Rizzlers, and he goes, I keep, I keep putting my skins down in a different dimension. <laughs> <laughs> and that was him all over his Well, that is a fantastic, funny fan, as hell. fantastic anecdote. Yeah, he, oh. he, he had a great sense of humour. I love working with him because he's so right out there. Yeah. Crazy. Fiercely intelligent. Fiercely intelligent man. Uh, and we had loads of chats and conversations with him about stuff. Um, and, he, and, a, and a blistering sense of humour. He was so funny. Uh, he was a joy to work with. You know, as far as it went, I mean, he was difficult to work with because, uh, like I say, it was the kind of the tail end of things, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was a challenge working with him. Sometimes we'd have to wake him up and ask him what he thought of something that was done because he was stone cold <laughs> knocked out on the sea, you know? Yeah. Um, and another Jesus Walks on Water kind of started off with uh, as Martin Hannett and I finished it off with John Pennington. Yeah. Um, because by then he wasn't really, um, he wasn't, he wasn't firing all, on all cylinders by the end of that session. That was one of where we went in and bits and bobs, you know. Yeah. And then if I finished it off with John Pennington. Well, thank uh, God. Which thank was a shame. But, um, and I saw him again after that, and he said, you know, good job, you did a good job, and wasn't long after that he died, you know. Ah. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. The, the legacy, the legacy is, is indelible, and it's lovely to hear these anecdotes, and, and, and often, yeah, yeah. and more often than not, they're just riddled with hilarity. I mean, I, I, I never had yeah. the, I never had the pleasure of meeting him, but I've I've, I've lived vicariously through the likes of uh, of, of of musicians and, and their anecdotes. And I, I yeah. tell you, there's a book. There's there has well, to be character. there has to be someone who's going to formulate a book of anecdotes. There has to be someone to do that. Mm. 
Um, and <laughs> well, that, that's what they call it, anecdotes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and there are many of them. I've heard of many others from other people. That's it. Yeah, uh, I mean, but, there's always a Mike Hannick story because he was so crazy, you know. Yeah. He was right out there, you know, living on the edge. It's lovely, it's lovely to hear. Now, now, when it comes to imaginary records, when when you first landed, um, I'm a massive fan of the label, and of course, of course, your work. Uh, but but I, I really, really loved just about every single one of their cover compilation tribute records. Yeah, they were good, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. very, yeah. very good. Some 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 are very hard to find nowadays for obvious reasons because uh, they're they're long, yeah. long, long deleted. But You've got a you've yeah. got a fine fine track record of uh, participating in those compilations. Now, being, being the yeah, um, go ahead. Go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say that you know, being that I'm a greedy bugger and you've, you've just treated us to 41 tracks, I was just wondering. <laughs> I, I was just wondering if there if there are any covers that that you'd like to have got around to doing or would like to get around to doing that you haven't been able to uh, get your teeth into. Um, that's an interesting question. Because we kind of, uh, those tribute albums came about kind of the other way around in that because we were kind of the label band, Yeah, we got first refusal on every album that came on. That's why we did so many of them. Yes. Because Alan had said to me, uh, uh, do you fancy doing, um, you know, a Kinks tribute? And I was going, yeah, I did, right? Because... It meant we got the studio time paid for. Right. We didn't make any money out of them, but we got to go in the studio and, and record another song. Now, um, I love being in the studio. I'm not particularly a big fan of gigging live, but I love being in the studio, tinkering, messing, experimenting. Um, so any opportunity I could get to go in the studio and learn more about the process, uh, I love being in the studio. I absolutely adore it, particularly Strawberry Studios. Oh, for sure. Um, in, in yeah. Stratford, yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so we kind of any tribute. I mean, I did have the grace to turn some down. Uh, I just thought we can't appear on everything. <laughs> I don't believe that we're a fan of all these people. You know, I mean, yeah. uh, Captain Beefheart was stretching it, even though I was genuinely a fan of Captain Beefheart, because that was kind of like probably the least. Like the mock circles, but yes, um, and we generally speaking found a way of interpreting these tracks in our own way so that it kind of fitted with the band. And some of the tracks we actually played live, you know, like uh, Big Sky, we used to play yeah. live yeah. all the time, uh, and we certainly played No Good Trying uh, to Barrett, yeah, uh, in, in our live set on many occasions. Uh, and are you experienced? Uh, you know, so kind of these weren't tracks that were uh, uh, that far removed from what we did as a band, you know. Yes. Um, but to answer your question, um, I, I, you know, I, I would love to have maybe done something more with harmony. Yeah. I mean, we did, we did um, Time Between and Why by the Birds, and I think um, since we did those recordings, I've become even more a fan of harmony, uh, even more a fan of, you know, the Harleys, Crosby Stills and Nash. Well, you like the old 12-string 12 12 Rickenbackers and all that business? Pardon? 12-string Rickenbackers and all that. The, the Rickenbackers, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we used one on, on the Birds uh, track. But I think I would have liked to explore harmonies more, you know. When I listen back now to 
bird songs and things like that, um, uh, I kind of really get off on the harmonies more than anything else. I suppose, I suppose I'm mellowing out in the old age and, and I like good harmony. I mean, like this, where I live, there's a 60s festival and it has been known for me to uh, put in an appearance uh, uh, doing harmonies for some friends of mine. Yeah. Uh, where we do three-part harmonies and we're doing bird songs, beatles, things like that, just for the hell of it, just because I love singing three-part harmonies. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, if we had the chance to do any more covers, maybe there might have been a Crosby, Stills and Nash, or... Yeah. Then again, you know, it's hard to... How, how, do you, how do you reinterpret something that's already pretty well perfect? And, um, you know... There's not a lot of point in doing something unless you can, you know, stamp your own style on it or do it. it in a slightly different way. Um, you know, there's not much point. But you know, I, I love I love harmony. I always have loved harmony and melody. Yeah. Uh, so I guess you know, if there was any covers that we could have done that we never did, maybe it would have been. I don't know, the Beatles, we never covered the Beatles. Well that's it, that would be the uh, obvious well, one. That would be the obvious one. You know, what what you know, just 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 to push you, what would what would be the, the most harmonic thing that you'd like to, to touch? Because you're absolutely right in saying if you're gonna if you're gonna perform a cover version, you're not doing it boilerplated or verbatim. You've got to add your own touch yeah, to yeah. it, otherwise it's redundant yeah, yeah. it's redundant. So but in terms of, you know, harmony and melody, um, what would be the, the standout Beatles track? Just out of pure curiosity, I'd be curious which one you choose. Um um, well, that, the Beatles, Sport, everyone choice. loves the Beatles, obviously, for yeah. obvious reasons. Yeah. They were pioneers. I love all the stories about what they did in the studio and stuff, because, again, it was also pioneering what they did at Abbey Road, what they did with Ken Townsend, George Martin, yeah. uh, and all the gadgets and ways of working. They invented artificial double tracking ADT, yeah. that we use a lot now, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I, I'm a proper anorak when it comes to all of that. Excellent. But um, I love the beauty and simplicity of something like this boy. Right. I, you know, I happen to know that three of them got round the mic and did three-part harmonies into one mic and on track it. They didn't have the luxury of auto tune or anything like that. That is George and John and uh, Paul yes. around one mic doing three-part harmonies there and then, on the fly, bang, recorded, done, and that was it. That's the level of professionalism. It's amazing. I mean, it is. Yeah, you could cover that. I mean, that's what I kind of get off on now, but um, ha ha it's perfect already. Why, you know, why would you? Yeah. It'd be silly. But, you know, we used to do um, Helter Skelter yes. live, um, and it was a proper, full-on racket that we used to <laughs> tag on the end of the set. Uh, proper sort of punk, anarchic, psychedelic, totally off the scale. I remember uh, that. I've, 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 I've heard you. Yeah, I've heard you play that on a couple of occasions, and that was excellent when you used to when you used to. It, that's, to, yeah. to be honest, it was uh, not in keeping with, uh, with with the turtle style. It was a bit of a racket, but it was a, it was a great little departure. Well, yeah, live we used to kind of pull on the stop that let Martin Murray go off on one a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, rather than in the studio where we'd have to be raining them in. Uh, you know, live we could, uh, uh, could be a little more self-indulgent, shall we say. Yeah. So, yeah, Health Skelter was a good one that we used to do. And we used to do um, Pleasant Valley Sunday, the Monkeys. Yeah. We used old... to nail that as well, you know. Bit so, of, boy, bit of boys. A hard guitar, but I used to 
play that and sing, you know, at the same time, you know. So, uh, uh, but that never got recorded. That would have been interesting, maybe a bit more of a um, a raucous version of Pleasant Valley Sunday. Yeah. Might have been an interesting one to cover, you know. Well, all, all the stuff that Boyce and Hart wrote was exactly in keeping with what you want in terms of the harmonies and the melodies that you are so yeah. uh, so so in love with. So I, that, guess, that I guess you could have done a kind of Mrs. Robinson Lemonhead type thing with a number of those that's tunes a, where you've got yeah. you've got harmony and then do more of a teenage fan club type of interpretation where you've got in your bass guitars with but with loads of harmonies. Yeah, that's right. Go go all, go all Alex Chilton and Big Star on it. Yeah, exactly. That that makes that yeah, makes well, it. We supported Alex Chilton at Nottingham University once. Did you really? Um, oh, what, he's, he's one, yeah, of my he yeah. one of my heroes, is Alex Chilton. I must confess, I wasn't up to speed when, when we were offered the gig. I hastily did my research and, um, and <laughs> then, oh my God. Yeah, you're in the <laughs> presence. This guy's a legend, the yeah. bona fide legend that was supporting him <laughs> in uh, Nottingham. Yeah. That was an amazing gig. You know, really enjoyed that. Yeah, and the presence of greatness, absolutely. And you know, we all absolutely, know, we all, yeah. yeah, we all know about teenage fan club and, and that whole school from Glasgow. How they just literally they worship yeah. at, worship at the, at the at the church of Chilton, don't they? Yeah, well, you know, uh, you can hear it in the songs, and it's a glorious, wonderful thing. Yeah, I'm a big, I'm a big teenage fan club. Oh, fan. oh, you and me um, both. You and me both. In case, you, in case it doesn't show, <laughs> um, uh, you know. I love a good harmony and, uh, and, and a good good guitar progression, you know. And yeah, they are a lot, are a lot of George Chilton and uh, um, and and uh, uh, well, big star. I, 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 yeah, and big star. Uh, and I, I didn't realise until we did the gig with him, and I've done all this research, how much we were singing from the same hymn sheet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess he dug the same stuff we dug. But then once I'd listened to all that lot, I very much absorbed that into what I was doing from there on, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's, it's just lovely to talk about it, because did, did you actually, um, did you hear about uh, a recent release, actually? Um, uh, the, the, the lead singer from uh, Death Cab for Cutie, um, actually, oh, yeah. he actually, he actually uh, recorded the, uh, the whole of Bandwagon-esque as, as just one big album cover. Uh, and uh, no. he does. He does a rather good job. In, in actual fact, uh, I, I've got your email. I'll uh, after after this, I'll uh, I'll bob you over the tracks so you can have a listen. Oh, I'd love to hear that. But yeah, um, Death Cab Cutie. I'm not familiar with their entire body of work, but I do. I, I do know a couple of tracks that were brilliant. Yes. Uh, this is the new year, was it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like that. yeah they're, they're a band um, that I think that you'd really get a lot of uh, a lot out of listening to their back catalogue yeah, because yeah, they're, they're, definitely. They're that's interesting. And, and they are American, aren't they? Yeah, I believe they're from Chicago. Yeah. I'm not quite sure, but they're definitely yeah. definitely American. For them, yeah. for them to kind of really get off on, on a Scottish band is brilliant. Love that. Yeah, and he just. Sure, I, bet, I bet Norman Blake was like. Buzzing off that as well. Oh. You know, he knows about it. I'm sure he does, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Because we, we had uh, I had um, I had Douglas uh, from BMX Bandits on the on the show a few weeks ago, and it's still a very very closely knit community that Bells Hill Glasgow mm -hmm. thing. And it's lovely that it's still going. Yeah. It's still going strong, and the fan club is still releasing records. It's all, yeah, yeah. All is well, amazing band. I, I love that band. I absolutely adore that band. Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, fantastic! <laughs> well, at the beginning of uh, each uh, the, the podcast I do, uh, the beginning uh, the, the intro music is. Uh, 
is uh, this is music by by, uh, by 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 the fan club, but it's just they're just yeah. uh, they're, they're indelibly etched in my psyche, and it's just lovely to know that you share the same sentiment. Um, now, if we could just because I know I know that you're still out with the family, we've got a couple more questions because I know that. Uh, well, well, just while while we're talking about the fan club, I have to know that Norman Blake's a fan of ours as well. Oh, my brother bumped into him. Oh, fantastic! Uh, my brother Brendan, not Steve. Yeah, Brendan. Yeah, uh, was doing some TV show that they were on back in the day. I think it might have been Juice for Granada or something like that. And they yeah. were on, and he knew all about us and everything. Excellent. Great fans were and all that. So you know, respect, and, and I'm a huge fan of theirs. So oh, brilliant! Well, mutual appreciation going on there for sure. Well, I've got uh, I've got some bootlegs galore, so maybe I can just send them your way as well because they're they're oh, a yeah. band. Anything like that, I'm, I'm grateful for. That's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll... transfer or something like that. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that. I'll sort that out for you in a gif. Don't worry about that. No, no I just want to That'd talk. About, we'll talk about Vibe because uh, Vibe is your baby, isn't it? Uh, yeah, studio. Yeah, we do uh, do a lot of good work there. Uh, I guess that's what occupies most of my time these days. Yeah. Is uh, running a studio, maintaining a studio, producing bands. Um, but very often, I don't so much produce. I mean, I've got a very, very good engineer called Dean Glover, who's really his band is running as well. He's got a really good band. Um, and um, very often, I go as uncredited because I'll just come in on a session and go, Martin, we're stuck with this bit here. Any ideas? And I go, yeah. Why don't you do that? That I might even chip in on the songwriting, although I, I don't take credit for it. And very often I've gone in and done harmonies and um, maybe a tambourine or something like that where it needs it in the chorus. And so I contribute quite a lot to bands, although I'm, I'm rarely credited. Uh, but I've done backing vocals on loads of singles <laughs> and stuff, and you wouldn't know I was there, but. I mean, sometimes, I mean, there are a lot of young bands, you know, coming out of Manchester, young kids. It's incredible. You know, learning their craft. And I kind of think, well, you know, uh, that was me so many, many years ago, learning, trying to soak into everything up like a sponge, and especially in the studio. And uh, so anything you can pick up from somebody who's been there and done it is brilliant. And I'm more than happy to, you know, give the benefit of my wisdom where young bands are concerned. You know, like, oh, your intro needs to be a bit shorter. Chop that up. And why, why, are you re- why aren't you repeating that? There's your hook. Let's get that repeated. You know, repeat yeah. that chorus there. You know, that kind of thing. I very often chip in. That's wonderful. And, um, uh, yeah, and so it, it's nice to be able to... I know it sounds really wanky, but it is nice to put something back in terms of... Sure. Uh, you know, I've been there and done it, and it's nice to pass on a bit of knowledge to the younger kids that are coming through, you know. And Vibe has been very much a part of that over the last 10 years or so that I've had it. Yeah. Um, and there have been loads of um, good fans. We haven't really had a, a hit single out of there yet, but I guess, you know... It's coming, um, it's coming. It's going to happen sooner or later. Well, because you've, you've had, you've had uh, the Membranes have been through, haven't they? They've done some work with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Membranes have membranes the whole album, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because uh, there's... there's there's one band that I love that you've that that I believe comes out of your stable, and I'm hopefully getting them on, on the show in the next couple of weeks. But that uh, that new Clear Green EP is fantastic. The what? Clear oh, Green. Clear Green. Yeah. You Very... know what? I've not heard it. That's that's been produced by Dean, my engineer. So yeah, it's fantastic. I've not heard it. He told me it was great. Yeah. Actually, Yeah, you should do. There's a four track oh, out wow. now, and it's it's really 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 good stuff. I was talking to them this week in the hopes of uh, getting them on the program because. They seem like they're, they're, well, they seem pretty sussed for their tender years, but I'm sure they've been the beneficiary of working with you uh, you and Dean as well. 
Well, I can't claim any uh, any credit for that. Just but Dean. I'm sure Dean can. Yeah. Uh, he's a whiz in the studio. He's, he's, uh, he's only young, but he's, uh, he's wise beyond his years. What what band is so, he in, Martin? Hey. What band his, is his band are called, are called Tight. Okay. T-Y-T-E-S. Yeah, the, and they're gigging. We're going to see them Sunday night. They're gigging in Manchester Sunday night. Oh, wicked. Uh, and they're starting to get, um, you know, the odd review online here and there that's really good. But the thing is that they're absolutely brilliant. Now, I wouldn't just say that lightly. Um, they're a really, really good band. Because, I mean, Dean knows what he's doing. He's like a... I guess he's like my protege in a way. Yeah. Again, without wanting to sound too wanky, but... He, he uh, you know, we, we have discussions about stuff, uh, about music, and, and he is wise beyond his years. I remember him correcting me once, I was doing a session, <laughs> and this band I had in said they wanted a kind of psychedelic, uh, sort of uh, pre-Beatles sort of uh, type thing. And I said, so, so what are we talking? We're talking sort of the Emily play, Pink Floyd, circa 1967 or something like that. Um, no, no, I think I said 68, and then Dean corrects me and says it's 67, actually. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> what are you? Like 20 nothing, and you're correct, you see. You know, there you go. That kind of uh, goes with the territory, you know, when you get these kids with, they know all the good stuff. Because I guess the internet these days, um, you don't have to listen to the shit that's served up. That's right. You've got options, because you, you can go elsewhere and find stuff and discover stuff. You know, thanks to the internet. Yes. And, uh, you know, so if you're into really cool music, you can go and find it. Exactly. Well, in my day, that was quite difficult to do that. Well, you, you know, know what? I was, I was, um, I was, that's, that's wonderful that you bring that up because I've got, I've got two kids who are 21 and 18 and their, their, their interpretation of music and, and how it infiltrates their psyche and everything about the culture is a, is a million miles away to, to my upbringing and your upbringing. But I was, yeah. you know, I've always tell them there's, there's no excuse for ignorance, and uh, if, if, if you have a, an inquisitive mind, the world's your oyster. But when it comes to, when it comes to music, I, I was thinking way, way back. Do, do you remember befriending somebody who you didn't even like just so you could listen to that record that he had that you didn't have, that you wanted to tape or listen to? There's no excuse for that yeah. anymore. You can just go to Spotify and listen to anything. And I, and I found it funny. I, 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 I went back to my, my, my youth thinking... All those people that wanted to hang out with me, they really just wanted to take my records. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I guess it's like, it's this, um, it's this uh, making a mixtape for your bird or your mate kind of thing. 100%, yeah. Uh, where, where you, back in those days, you know, good music was, was, you had to work hard to find it. Yes, you did. And so, so you know, Serving up a few nuggets for somebody who you really cared about, loved or were good mates with, was something that we all did. It was a science. It? It was and and, and uh, whereas these days, you just got to go online and, and Google it, search stuff on YouTube or whatever. That's you know? it, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess in a way, it, it's on a plate for uh, young kids. These, I, guess it, I guess you've got no excuse. I mean, it goes to, you know, guitar playing as well. You know, exactly. When I was a kid, um, there was no tablature or anything like that, you know. No cheats, um, no videos, uh, no nothing. When I when I was trying to figure out Bill Nelson's guitar solos, <laughs> um, oh, I, I used to put records on his parents' record player 
that played at 16 RPM. And, um, and slowly the guitar solos go down to half speed. Obviously, they're an octave lower. Fantastic. So learn all these guitar solos note by note, and it's all. <laughs> We listen yeah, to to beat yeah, beat, <laughs> and, and I'd learn the guitar solo that way yeah. by slowing it down. Uh, whereas, uh, and, and that was hard grass, that was hard work. You know what I mean? Whereas yeah. These days, just go online, have a look at the tabs, and, and they can they can play Hendrix or they can play whatever they want. You know, it's all there for everybody to see. Yeah. There's all, no mystery. There's no, the, uh, there's no discovery. Uh, the, the, the thrill of discovery is kind of is kind of been removed from the equation, and it's something that. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 I don't. I think pity's a strong word, but I really wish that the generation had that uh, that sentiment to experience that we did. But, but I suppose yeah, if you... I think it, um, it attributes more value to it in yeah. a way. I yeah. mean, I'm an old duffer. I would say that, and any young kid listening to me go, oh, "You know, change the record, granddad." Yeah, yeah. But I guess when you've got to work hard at something, either finding it or learning to play it. It kind of has more value attributed to it. Hundred percent. And that kind of separated the men from the boys as well, in a way. Yeah. Because you know, when I was a kid at school, the good guitarists were the ones who were passionate and worked hard at it. Yes. Whereas you know, uh, I, I have a lot of kids come through the studio who will rattle off the guitar for this or that that they've copied and they've got the tabs and they're not that well. They don't necessarily have the intuition uh, for guitar that comes with studying the instrument for a long period of time. It's a shortcut, isn't it? It's, it's like saying it's that you're a, it's like saying it's you're a, a world you're a world traveller and know all about everything just because you watch travel programs yeah. on the telly. It's not it's, the same thing. Well, it's the instant gratification generation, isn't it? It is. It's that uh, we've got now. I wonder, instant gratification. It's, it's the lowest common denominator. It's the quickest to get to where the, you know, to instant gratification. Um, you know, call me old-fashioned, but you know, when you had to work hard at it, it kind of attains more value. It, it, you, you love it more. Well, it's more it, tangible. It's bigger and better. It's, it's yeah. infinitely more I, I think, tangible. Yeah. You know, there's more passion associated with it. Yeah. You had to work harder to get there, to extract it, to hear it. You know? Yeah, but uh, you know, so I, I share. Really old now, I, oh, I was going to say, I share, I, I share your sentiment, Martin. I share it 100. percent And if you, if you're coming across as a, as a as a miserable curmudgeon, then then I'm in the same boat. So that, that's that's not that's not a problem. I, I got one last question for you. And this this is a question I ask everybody, and and it, and it stumps nine out of ten initially. But um, yeah. it, it's not designed to be flippant. It's 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 important. And, and I'm talking about biscuits. Now, if you were around my place, conceivably uh, around my place after a gig, stick the kettle on, get you a nice cup of tea, and I bring out the magic biscuit tin, and I say, Martin, you can choose any biscuit on God's green earth. What would you choose? Oh, it has to be a chocolate hobnob. Good for you. And that that was that was <laughs> that was minimal hesitation. So kudos to you. Um, I, I've got this like uh, intricate infographic spreadsheet thing of all the biscuit uh, charts. So I'll send you a copy of that. I'll get you. Yeah, I'll send you that uh, that fan club stuff. Uh, and I'll also be in touch when uh, when the episode's up, so you can uh, hopefully spread the word. Have a listen. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Right, thanks, Dara. It's, it's been a it's been a pleasure. So uh, mind how you go, and I'll and, and we'll talk soon. Cheers, Dad. Take care, mate. All, all the best. Trap. See you later. Bye now. Bye. 
Well, that was long, informative and fun, wasn't it? You are all now fully tuned and well-versed in the world of the Mock Turtles. Thank you so much, Martin. It was a pleasure. Uh, and I hope that you are all going to be logging into the Cherry Red URL to go and buy that record if you don't already own it. And if you do already own it, you haven't got all the extra stuff. So go out and buy, go and buy, go out and buy, bit 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 Well, that was lengthy and fun, said the actress. Well, that was lengthy and fun, wasn't it, said the actress to the bishop. Thank you, Martin. Very informative, lots of fun. And uh, I hope that you're all now chomping at the bit and logging into Cherry Red Records to get your uh, copy of the 41 Tracker, the expanded re-release of Turtle Soup. Wonderful, wonderful stuff. I'm going to leave you with one more song from the record. Another single, the fourth single, Lay Me Down.
more marvellous stuff from the Mock Turtles lay me down. And that's a wrap for episode 52. Thanks for listening, everybody. I'll be back next week with more fun and frivolity. Spread the word, spread the love, all the best, and I'll be back soon. Ta-ra! <laughs>